0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
1: Hi guys, and welcome back to P.S. Meet Me at Stage Door. This week, we have a little bit of a uh, spooky topic. We're going to be talking about theatre superstitions. That's right. I am so keen for this episode. Like, so we've all heard of theatre superstitions, but do you guys know where they stemmed from? Because, I mean... Before I did research for this episode, I knew a few bits and pieces, but I feel like now I'm like, oh, this all makes so much sense. So we did the research so that you don't have to. So we're going to discuss with you some of the theatre superstitions you may or may not know and their origin stories. And we got all of this information today from Playbill, Stage Milk and Theaternerds.com. So shout out to them for creating our spooky, scary content that we wanted. But before we get started with our superstitions, we're gonna throw it over to Libby for our bulletin. This week,
0: you can catch National Theatre London's latest play, Antony and Cleopatra, starring Ralph Fiennes and Sophie Okonedo. In sadder news, everyone's talking about Jamie. The Australian tour has been cancelled, unfortunately, due to COVID-19 and was supposed to open on the 18th of July 2020. Our hearts go out to all the cast and crew affected by that. In more exciting news, there will be a Facebook Live concert hosted by James Cutler happening on May 11th, featuring some of your favourite Australian theatre talents. The concert will kick off at 7pm on Joshua Robson Productions' Facebook page, and will feature talents such as Lucy Maunder, Todd McKenney, Monique Saleh, and Georgia Hobson. So make sure you guys check that out. So Tori, how about you start us off with the first superstition? Can you tell me? Because I don't know what Tori has got in store for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, so we, we've not told each other what we're talking about, so... Uh... Hopefully, I mean, I told her the premise so that we don't get the same ones. But the first superstition I'm going to be talking about is referred to as the Scottish play. Now, anyone in theatre kind of knows what you're referring to when you say the Scottish play, because most people know it as Macbeth. And even to whisper the name of Shakespeare's bloodiest and most gruesome play inside a theatre is just, it's just such a big no-no <laughs> and such a shocking taboo that most thespians will be sent running if you even utter those words in a theatre. So it's often referred to as the Scottish play. I love that. It's almost like, <laughs> you
0: know, when they've got all the scary movies these days and it's like, say this person's name three times and you
1: will die. <laughs> <laughs> Macbeth, 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 Macbeth. And you will die. You get a knife through the hand, which... Which has happened apparently. A what? Um, and a lot of the stories that I found about to do with like things that have happened from people mentioning the Scottish play in a theatre um, are all kind of speculations. But one of the things I was always told in school was, yeah, somebody said it. And then when they were doing their production of Macbeth, a knife went through their hand. What? And I'm like, you're kidding me, right? They wouldn't have used a real knife. But then I was doing research for a different podcast and I'm not going to talk about it, but they accidentally used a real knife and somebody almost died. Are you kidding me? <laughs> No, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. What? I was doing research <laughs> for the other one that we're planning and legit it's 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 insane. There are so many speculations as to why saying the play's name in a theater is considered bad luck but one of the possible places the superstition stems from is a theory that the original actor portraying Macbeth died in a mysterious accident and Shakespeare himself had to go on in his place which it's then believed that since the accident the actor now haunts productions oh my god That is so cool that Shakespeare went on for him. And obviously, yeah, well, I mean, obviously it's rumoured because it's not like somebody had, like, a video camera or something. So who knows if it's even true. true. But it would kind of be pretty cool if Shakespeare's just there, like, oh, well... Well, let me jump on to the I guess I'll just just, have to go on. I guess I'll have to be the lead role, it's so fine. He's like, I'm not even prepared and just like sheds a dressing gown and he's just already in costume. (laughs) Shakespeare's like, I'm ready. another possibility though is the belief that Shakespeare adapted the three witches spells from actual books of black magic which causes thespians oh. to believe it opened up the play to the forces of darkness which are believed to now plague the production this is the one that I prefer to go with thinking as, as yeah. a wicked and as a pagan I'm like this is they did he he messed with some bad juju and, and this is what he's and done he got it back <laughs> and this is what happened the important thing though to remember is whilst obviously it's a big no-no to say this in a theater if you do ever make the mistake of saying Macbeth in a theater which don't worry I have don't fret there are a few different countercurses to ward off that feeling of you know imminent doom one antidote is to go outside the theater spin around three times and spit now this is what ew, I ew. had to do last time. I know it's not it's not the most <laughs> pleasant of our uh, counter curses, no. but I've heard so many different versions of this. And I think my acting teacher in high school was playing silly buggers with me because he told me I had to run around the theater 3 times. Now the theater was in the school. The theater was also on a block of buildings. So I had to run around the entire block three times spin around three times and then spit and I was like wait 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 when I read this I was like excuse me excuse me another antidote is to either recite a line from Two Gentlemen of Verona which is considered to be a lucky play or this particular line from one of my all-time favorite Shakespeare plays is A Midsummer Night's Dream. If we shadows have offended, think but this, and all is mended, that you have but slumbered here whilst these visions did appear.
0: I mean, this would have been a much easier uh, antidote for you to do. <laughs> well, actually, I've found one, and this one is going to be titled "Not Anyone Can Whistle."
1: <laughs> oh, oh, I, I see what you did there. I think, but um, ching. <laughs> I assume Give this is a play effects. on words from anyone can whistle shock horror
0: yes it is so since the 1960s whistling was a no-no on stage now I didn't know this was even a thing but apparently it is and it comes from wait but why
1: why whistling why whistling I ask
0: myself this every day
1: I mean, I personally can't whistle, so I don't come into this
0: dilemma very Neither often. Neither can I. I can't whistle, so maybe this is why I don't know this one. But basically, it came from the backdrops and sets and rigging. So we now use mechanicalized backdrops, but back in the day, in the, in the 1600s and such, they actually rigged it with ropes like you would on a ship. Okay. So they rigged all the sets and the lights and things like right. that. And so... Of course, if you've got ropes and rigging that's similar to a ship, you then have crew that are sailors. So, then (laughs) you're like, where does the whistling come in still? This doesn't make sense. Yeah, I'm like,
1: great, they're sailors. And? And they? are you just telling me that they're all slightly homosexual? Yes, of course they are. But, um... The whistling actually
0: comes from a form of communication that they used on the ships. Oh. So then, obviously, when they came to the theatre, they had the same sort of um, communication style of using whistling to tell people when to like move a rig, or a certain whistle or tone of whistle would tell them to like um, change a rope. So. If you whistled and you were an actor on stage, oh no, you would have gotten crushed by the ropes if you Wait. whistled
1: and then they were like,
0: <laughs> "That yeah. seems like so if such you whistled... a
1: bad form of communication." <laughs> like while there's a play going on, you just hear like a bird whistle in the background. The audience is like, what the <laughs> f- "Is that? <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> I didn't even think about that.
0: <laughs> but this was the time before walkie talkie so I guess whistling—it's high-pitched enough, and maybe with some opera going on behind yeah. you. It wouldn't be as noticeable. But yes, that is one of the superstitions that I found.
1: really really interesting I mean I'm surprised whistling was a form of communication well speaking of people possibly being crushed on stage oh yes Tori please <laughs> tell me more <laughs> another superstition that I found which is again one that I kind of know about but I actually know about it from Carrie Hope Fletcher are we surprised she is my one true goddess oh. in body and spirit I'm really not surprised I love it. <laughs> But there's a huge amount of reasons for why leaving a ghost light on the stage when a theater closes for the night. And if you don't know what a ghost light is, just look it up. If you've ever watched, you know, any show, either whether it be like something like Smash or a musical where like the stage is empty in air quotes, like at the end of the night, there's often a light standing in the middle of the stage. That is the ghost light. But the main thing to remember, though, is never leave a stage completely dark for the night just just really don't do it really really truly I'm pretty sure the theater where I did the crucible the second time like last year it was always pitch black and I swear to god that theater was oh my god I'm
0: ready I'm so ready I'm like really (laughs)
1: I'm like oh my god ghosts (laughs) But from a practical standpoint, there are always a large amount of obstacles left on a stage, such as, you know, the set, furniture, orchestra pits, occasionally for some theatres, even trapdoors. So, you know, it's there to, you know, make sure nobody gets up on the stage the next day and, you know, trips over something or falls down a, you know, surprising trapdoor and breaks their neck. You know, that's kind of the one of the logical reasons. Ideal. But more superstitious thespians believe that ghost lights are to keep the spirits at bay, but most importantly, to keep away thespians. The ghost of the first actor, preventing them from causing mischief and playing pranks. Wait, there is a ghost called Thespis. Is this where thespians come from? I would say so, yes. I'm going to take a wild guess without (gasps) even looking it up and just say yes. What? Okay, that's wild. I love that. And obviously anyone that knows me knows that I'm a very uh, spiritual person. I am very much like I when I went to New Orleans, I did legitimate ghost tours, like actually trying to find ghosts. I like the kind of superstitious kind of things that go bump in the night. But of course, there is a more logical explanation being that in the early 1800s before electricity, the lights in theaters were powered by gas, which of course, as we all know, is combustible. There was always a possibility that gas could build up pressure ah. within the lines and cause an
0: explosion. Um, this is not this does not meet I health know. and safety
1: regulations. <laughs> <laughs> this is OHNS. <laughs> but running the ghost light in a theater during non-performance times burned the excess gas and eliminated the pressure. And though we don't use gas to light our theaters anymore, the Tradition still remains intact, and I think for good reason, especially with that cheeky ghost, Thespis. I love that. What a good, what a good superstition. I'm like, I feel like it's just something that you see in, like, so many, like, movies and TV, like, when they're in, like, an empty theater and there's the ghost light. And for the longest time, I was like, when the heck is there just, like, a light in the middle of the stage? Like, is it a set piece? I wanted the same thing. I was like, are they just nuts? Yeah, I was like, is this just, like, a... Just for like funsies, like let's just leave a lamp just here. Just in case. I loved learning about the uh the history of ghost lights and obviously whilst there was more practical reasons for having mm. it, I I would touch wood, but also not touch wood. Thespis, if you're listening, come come holler at me. I'd love to I'd love to have a chat.
0: Come have a chat with me. Just um come over to my theatre. Let's hang.
1: But to kind of break up some of the superstitions so that uh, some of your lighthearted folks don't get the spooks, yes. we're going to play a very, very, very short round of a little bit of superstition trivia. So do you have your questions I up, do. Libby? I I'm ready. I hope you're ready for these. Well, how about you start us off with your first one? Oh, I would. I would be more than happy to. All right, so there's a few different possible answers for this, but I wanted to ask you, which musical instrument do you think must never be allowed in the orchestra? What? A red violin, a green drum, a blue or black bass instrument, or a yellow clarinet?
0: In my mind, when you first asked this question, I'm going, what (laughs) instrument isn't allowed in an orchestra, (laughs) pitch?
1: Um...
0: Oh, my God. Um, I feel like I'm really digging the red violin vibe because it's kind of a bit, you know, red is kind of a... Can, kind of a little
1: bit creepy. Yeah, like it like can be blood, creepy. Like murder.
0: Yeah, but I, I'm also leaning towards well, the green, but I'm going to go A.
1: Okay, well, you're 110% wrong. Oh, God. It's actually... And I could actually not find anywhere the reasoning behind this, which makes me judge it a little bit. Yeah. But... The answer is a yellow
0: clarinet. A yellow clarinet. Well if anyone out there has
1: a yellow clarinet, hit us up. <laughs> Stay out of our orchestra pit. Oh, yeah. oh we had very different reactions <laughs> to that.
0: <laughs> I was like, send us a pin and up. you were Stay like away. You were like, no no, you can go away now.
1: <laughs> what about you?
0: Well, I have a question that's rooted in the um, superstition that you never light a trio of candles. An open flame is already a risk on stage, and the more burning candles in a production, the greater the chances of a fire happening. Anyway, this one is, this question is, what Shakespearean play at the Globe Theatre set the theatre on fire during its production?
1: I, you know what? It's really upsetting because I totally know the answer to this, and because I've <gasps> studied it, and oh. I can't remember what it is.
0: Oh, oh, okay. I've got, I've got um, different. I've got A, B, C, D, and D. Oh, yeah, ready. Okay, okay, I'm ready. A, Macbeth. B, The Merchant of Venice. <laughs> C, Henry the D,
1: Romeo and Juliet. Ooh, I feel like. See, I'm I'm somewhere between Macbeth and Romeo and Juliet, because I'm like Macbeth, because one of y'all Macbeth. actors said Macbeth in the theater, bad, bad juju Perhaps was meant ju- ju- to happen. <laughs> Fire but happened. But also, for some reason, I have this, I have this image of the Romeo and Juliet, like when, spoiler alert for a play that is just hundreds of years old, when Juliet dies, that there's like all these candles around her. So I'm, oh. I'm going to go with Romeo and Juliet.
0: Boom, boom! you are
1: wrong.
0: <laughs> oh no, was it, wait, was it Merchant of Venice? No, it's Henry VIII. Oh, okay. I know. It's, the superstition is believed that the person who stands the closest to the shortest candle will be the first to die as well.
1: <gasps> oh my god! <laughs> Guys, stay away from candles. No candles in productions. <laughs>
0: Could you imagine if in blocking, like you were in that time period and during blocking, I don't know if Shakespeare directed the plays, but he's like, um, you can stand next to that candle and you're going, well, I'm going to die. He's just like, mm, I really don't <laughs>
1: like this one. You can stand next to the candle. I have one more for you. It is considered lucky to have a certain type of animal or animals living in the theater. Is it A, a raven or other tame bird? B, mice? Mm-hmm. C, a cat or D, bats.
0: Okay, I feel like it would be a cat because the cat eat the mice and the mice could eat like the roping and the technical wires and things like that. That was really bad English, but I'm going to go see. <laughs> see, so you're going to go with a cat? Are you sure about that? A cat. I'm
1: going with a cat. Yes, I'm locking it in. All right. Okay, lock it in. You are correct. <gasps> yes. Cats were lucky to have in theaters, especially contrary to popular belief black cats
0: oh even though they're supposed to be superstitious
1: (laughs) black cats are not unlucky y'all do your research
0: (laughs) well my last one is what is considered to be good luck to give the director when a show closes a a pair of unwashed socks worn by the lead
1: oh oh no
0: (laughs) B, a handshake from every cast member before commencing the show. Oh, that's nice. C, a bouquet of flowers stolen from a graveyard. Oh. And D, a copy of the script that has
1: been blessed under the light of a full moon. Um. <laughs> well, first of all, the first A, the socks. No. Do not ever give someone a pair of worn (laughs) socks. That's No, I don't care if it's lucky. Just don't do it. Um, Like, people get so sweaty in theaters. Could you imagine how gross the sweaty socks would be? I feel like they kind of all make sense in a way. There is one, obviously, Mm. that stands out most to me because it's what I've always done. I mean, like, shaking the director's hand before the show, that's just a really good thing to do anyway. But the one that stands out to me, although... The first part of the answer is a bit off, but I think you should. I think it I I think it's good luck to give your director flowers, but the fact that they are meant to come from a graveyard Because it's all correct like... Oh my god. Wait, like, I don't okay, understand so next show I do, Lib, you and I are going to a graveyard before the final show and no, that is disrespecting the dead. You guys don't do that Oh my god, but that was just some fun trivia for you guys that I was just like, this is. There are some, there are some weird superstitions. On, on that slightly appalling note, how about you take us into our next superstition? Of course.
0: Let's take a good swing to a new superstition. Now, I'm this ready. superstition I really just love. It's kind of two. So this one is no blue or green costumes are to be worn on the stage. Now this is because they thought that Wait. Yes. Yes. Wait. Yes.
1: Wait, I can just
0: see uh-huh. if I can just see problems with this already. <laughs> I know, right? So wearing green or blue was considered to be bad luck. Now, the allegations for it being bad luck come down to spotlights, which I know, spotlights. I mean, who doesn't want to be in the spotlight, right? But Well, I always want to be in the spotlight. I mean actors. Now the first spotlight that was invented worked by burning quicklime and was famously named the limelight. Now if you're a pleb like myself and don't know what quicklime is, I quickly did a Google and Wikipedia told me that it is calcium oxide, commonly known as quicklime or burnt lime. It is widely used. It is a widely used chemical compound. It is white. Um, alkaline and crystalline solid at room temperature. There is your definition. I like that it's white, but
1: it burns it's green. White.
0: Yes, that's exactly it. So as you can tell by the name of Limelight, it is a green light. So it's got a green tint to it. Now, the reason that it's bad luck is basically they believed, or it, I don't know if it's a belief or it's an actual fact, but that if you were to wear green on stage, you would disappear. Now, I'm just going to say, now, could you imagine Wicked set in the time where being green meant you were invisible on stage? This is exactly I mean, what
1: I was thinking when you mentioned it. I was like, wait, yeah, you mean that entire scene in the Emerald City where everything, the costumes, the makeup, the set is green? <laughs> It could just be a really good good disappearing act. Um, but I don't think that would be the case. Like as they as they're walking on stage and the spotlight hits them, they just poof. Poof. Exactly. So
0: that's where green became unlucky. Now, moving on to blue. The reason for the colour blue being unlucky is quite interesting because it's rooted in theatrical gossip. That's really where the root of the problem
1: is. Oh, Yes. So all theater, which is <laughs> gossip. I love theater, but there's so I, much gossip.
0: I mean, people listening to this probably love a little bit of theater gossip because, you know. We love, we love a little bit of tea. We do. Now, blue was an expensive product to buy. So blue material was really expensive in the time. I'm guessing this yeah. was quite, you know, like 20s, 30s in that era. The producers spread rumors about it being an unlucky color so that they didn't have to spend the money. Didn't have to buy yeah. it. Yeah. Oh my God, no way. So I'm like, A, genius
1: <laughs> on a budget. <laughs> but also, can you imagine just going up to another producer and being like, hey, hey, have you heard that? That, uh, blue fabric is unlucky and they're like oh why is that like i don't know has nothing to do with money yeah Yeah, swear money (laughs) our show's doing great don't know about you (laughs) Uh, money Uh, money. nervous
0: sweats (laughs) exactly so it's quite interesting but on the flip side of things that the costumes that were blue but were lined with silver were considered good luck because it was said that the production company then had money. So it's this weird thing of like, that. Co- that's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of confusion surrounding that's, this superstition. There are so many
1: lines being crossed there. So you have just, a, if you have just blue costumes, yes, that's unlucky. unlucky. But if you have blue lined with silver, it means you've got money and you're successful. Exactly. So they would just go, so, you know, we
0: can't afford, afford the silver. So you could only have the blue, but you know blues unlucky without the silver so you should really just go with orange
1: <laughs> talking about going on stage and, and disappearing we're going to i'm going to talk to you about why you are meant to say break a leg instead of good luck i've always wondered this because it's something that we say all the time right it's something you say all the time and whenever someone starts to say good luck to me i'm like do not you say one of two things. You say break a leg, or no. for Aussies out there, you say chookers. And I will explain a little bit about that yes. later. But why is it bad to say good luck to an actor? Well, some thespians believe there are theatre ghosts or fairies who like to cause mischief by making the opposite of what you have to say occur. So when you say good luck, they're like, haha. Let's be cheeky and, you know, make bad things happen. Whereas the phrase. Oh, that's really cute. Right? I know. I was like, that's cute. But also it makes sense. Like you think about, you know, people falling down the stairs during shows. And it's like, oh, my God, did somebody say good luck to them? Is this like a, a little spirit tripping them up? Ooh. <laughs> but phrases like break a leg and murd are meant to confuse these theatrical pixies and defeat their obstinate ways. A wish for something bad will yield something good from them. There's a lot of blurred lines with these superstitions. It's like, say
0: one thing and it's like, you were doomed, but then say the opposite
1: Yep. And you're fine. Say the other thing is and crazy. it's good luck. The origin of the term break a leg is believed to have come from a variety of different places. But one of the most widely accepted explanations is the phrase was born with early vaudeville when performers waited backstage to see if their act would go on for that show the leg in air quotes being referred to is not actually a person's limb but rather the curtain that hangs in the wings masking the backstage so breaking a leg means you have broken past this barrier and made it successfully on stage if they were sent on They had broken the leg. Oh, that is so sweet, actually. It's all about, like, you know, the fact that, like, you know, it's like break a leg, it means that you're getting to go That you've made it. And it's an exciting thing.
0: Wow. Yeah. Now I'm going to look at that phrase so differently because to me, I, I can you know, one time I full on fell over and I had a knee injury and I was like, well, they really did mean break <laughs> a leg. Uh, now I'm going to look at it in a much better light.
1: But in the land of Oz, as in AUS, Australia, we say chookers, but so many people just cannot mm. understand why? Pretty much. It started back when actors would peek through the curtains before a performance, and if it was a poor crowd, they'd be eating bread that night. But if it was a good crowd, then they'd be able to afford chicken. So I'll get the chicken or I'll get the chook turned into chookers. So it, it really just means have a great show. I'm like, of course, Aussies.
0: Can. Are you serious? <laughs>
1: Turned how good a crowd is into they're like,
0: am I gonna go down to Woolies and get my chook for tonight, or oh, it's a bad crowd. I can't get my ten dollars chook.
1: Yeah, and let me tell you, this explanation was so hard to find. This took me like a solid maybe hour of searching to get this information, and I had to watch this really long ass video and get all the way to the end. And then she would explain that, and I was like, you're kidding me, Australia. You're kidding me, but I also love it because I'm like, as soon as I finish a show, once all those vibes kind of die down, my first thought is like, so where's the closest mackers? <laughs> I need me some chicken nuggets. <laughs> chicken. Oh, <sorry. laughs> my first thought. <laughs> chicken. <laughs> I must get the chicken. <laughs> I think I think we have one last superstition for you guys today. Yes, we do.
0: Now, this one we can all attest to. It is that a bad dress rehearsal means a great opening night. I don't know about everyone out there, but if I've ever had a bad
1: dress rehearsal, I always have a good opening night. I feel like I've never, ever had a good dress rehearsal. Like, my dress rehearsal for the the PJ game, I gave myself the biggest concussion with blood dribbling down my face and then had a great <laughs> opening night. You were like, yeah, I'm fine. That's
0: exactly it. I mean, obviously, a successful performance comes down to the hard work and preparation put in. I feel like, although we can say a bad dress rehearsal will equal great success on an opening night, I think it really boils down to a tired cast and crew that becomes sloppy. Yep, And that's what ultimately will make a bad dress run. And
1: because you've done hours and hours... Yeah, because by the time when you consider it... Most of us have, like, a tech week where we have, like, four or five, like, really late night rehearsals that week before the show. So we're just, like, over it. We're just, like, get me to opening night. Exactly. And add a little
0: adrenaline and an audience, and it does wonders. And I think that is why you have a great opening night. It's being in front of people for the first time. It's the adrenaline. You get over the tiredness. You're like, yeah, but I've worked so hard. And then all of a sudden the cogs come together and then the thing that you've spent so long creating yeah. will then blossom and become beautiful and go on stage and then you get the applause and it's fantastic. So I think that's where that that superstition is rooted in, and I think it's a little myth bust.
1: Yeah, and I think I look. I think you're right. I think it. I think it really is. It kind of comes down to wishful thinking because you're like, it's fine like it's all right today is not good tomorrow will be better and it really is it because like you said it's like the adrenaline you get out there and you're like there's an audience they are cheering and like all of a sudden it just kind of all clicks and like lines or parts of songs that you sung before just you're like wow like what was that that just like worked. wow what could wow, it I'm be my actual vocal exhaustion <laughs> from doing the past two months of non-stop singing because I couldn't get the time notes right?
0: Now, to end things today, we're actually going to do a bedtime story, but this bedtime story has been one that I have not told many people, but it's probably up. Oh, wait, no way.
1: <laughs> it's your bedtime story? It's the bedtime story. When you were like, I have one prepared for tonight, I was like, cool. I didn't realize it would be yours. It's the bedtime story
0: okay so this is the most embarrassing thing that has happened to me ever on stage
1: okay i'm ready
0: so let's take it back let's take it back now to high school and we're in we're going to year nine libby no 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 what was it no we're going to year 11 libby oh god so that's probably like You're probably 17 years old. Yes, I'm probably 17 years old. So I was doing a Shakespearean play, and the play was called The Popular Mechanicals. Now, The Popular Mechanicals is actually a play within... It's the play within the play of Midsummer Night's Dream. So I was playing Snug. What a cute
1: name, Snug.
0: And I was 17 by this point. Just bear that in mind. Just bear that in mind. So part of this show, it was quite comical and my character constantly called for a chicken dance to happen because she was obsessed with chickens um actually it was a he um and absolutely obsessed with chickens so anyway we get to there's just a lot going on it's quite funny and we get to the chicken dance and we finally do this chicken dance now just imagine a six foot tall nearly six foot i'm not quite six foot but in your head, a six foot tall, seventeen year old, dressed head to toe in a full on chicken costume.
1: I was. Oh my god! Out.
0: Yes, I know. I. And then, <gasps> yeah. And there was um this. Was a whole dance routine, so there was this this pause in the play, and my character just had to shake it like you've never seen someone shake it before. Oh my god! (laughs) You know those rubber chickens from um Coles that used to like yes, (gasps) yes. Okay, so we had everyone had one of them. Yes. So everyone had one of them and there was like full on, there was like a curtain and they were doing puppetry with the chickens and I was in the front and I had this full on chicken costume. And then there was Taylor Swift's Shake It Off playing. I'm shaking it off like you wouldn't believe. Now, before this happened, we were in the dress rehearsal. So I'm doing this in the dress rehearsal and I needed to go to the bathroom so bad before the dress rehearsal. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to hold it. I'm okay. Oh I'm going to no. be fine. We do the dress rehearsal. We get to the chicken number. I'm shaking it like you wouldn't believe it. Oh, my it. God. Oh, no. And beca- <laughs> because oh it was no. the dress rehearsal, she decided that we were going to add in eggs, but they weren't going to be boiled eggs. They were just <gasps> oh eggs. <no. laughs> so I was supposed to juggle eggs. That was all p- part of it. So I'm the Stop chicken... It shaking its butt <laughs> in front of the whole audience like I'm going through people's legs and then I get to this whole section where I need to juggle eggs and I have never juggled in my life I had tried to oh learn how God. to juggle but was just uh, very unsuccessful I'm just this so, is, I'm
1: just visualizing all of this and I yes, am just like I'm a visual red feast. hot
0: I know it's a visual feast, and um anyway I'm juggling the eggs go everywhere actually everywhere there there is just yolk all over the stage i had to continue <gasps> this dance and i'm just sliding around the stage anyway i take one wrong foot and i full on this is out of joke i do a banana peel like splat onto the floor <laughs> and i was so i the shock of the fall Ricocheted through my body so much that I peed myself on stage. Me. Oh no! I was 17 years old and I peed myself like a preschooler.
1: Can we just? Oh my god. I I am like burning up right now. I know. Oh I did not tell Tori Even this story. Oh no one said anything. Because you just kind of everyone collectively just goes, okay, yeah. it happened. Yeah. Let's, let's not, not dwell. Let's not, yeah. We must continue. And so as soon
0: as it finished, um, everyone was like rushing over, trying to be like, oh, my God, is your knee okay? Because I'd had knee surgery. What's going on? And um, I was just like, can everyone just like <laughs> leave for a minute? I was like, you know what? I just really need to get changed. That's like first priority is I need to get changed. <laughs> In my mind, I was going, oh my I've just god, living. Like, oh, my God. That is my bedtime story. And it is the best bedtime story I have Um it is one one of the best. I don't best. think I
1: can ever top that. I don't think
0: anyone can ever top that. There's chicken costumes, eggs, there's banana split
1: like the full ordeal ping yourself. It's um it's a lot. Well, I just have to say thank you for thank you for sharing with us. I can't I can't even ima- begin to imagine what that would have been like, but I I think um on that note <laughs> I think we're gonna wrap it up for this week's episode (laughs) on that note i just hope
0: no one that i I went to school with listens to this because i will be mortified
1: (laughs) anyway you guys thank you so so much for listening we love you all so so much and for sticking with us through these you know uncertain and a bit uh horrid times But we're here, hopefully, every once in a while to give you guys a little bit of extra brightness in your day. Thank you guys so much for the support
0: and make sure to tune in in a couple of weeks for our next episode because we have a really exciting guest on and I can't wait to chat to her
1: about all things theatre. So tune into that. Like the moment she said yes and I told Libby... We were both just like, you know, two little kids. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. But anyway, you guys, like Libby said, thank you so, so much for listening. Any feedback, any bedtime stories you want to share... Feel free to share them over to us over on our Instagram. Yeah, guys, please share because I just shared the worst. Yeah, you shouldn't feel ashamed after what you just heard. But of course, feel free to share them over on our Instagram or send us an email. And of course, if you feel like it, a little shameless plug. Feel free to give us a like over on our Facebook page or leave us a review on Apple Podcast. But until next time, guys, stay happy, healthy and safe. We love you all so, so much. Bye. Bye.